Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Friday, October the 15th. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and today I'm going to be speaking to Shankareshi, our senior legal analyst, about the restructuring of Greek gaming company Intralot. I'm also going to chat to my fellow editor Robert Schack about opportunities for investors looking at Belgium-based outdoor clothing retailer AS Adventure. So, Shan, Intralot recently completed an out-of-court restructuring of its two tranches of unsecured notes. You've been covering the name. Uh, can you tell us a bit about the restructuring process? Sure. So, Intralot's recent restructuring of its two tranches of unsecured notes, its 2021 and 2024 notes, featured a consensual out-of-court implementation method to bypass the 90% amendment threshold in its 2021 notes indenture. Now, in my view, the restructuring which completed earlier this year highlights the weakness in bargaining power of temporally subordinated note holders when an earlier maturing but parry-ranking note negotiates a restructuring with an issuer. Both of Intralot's 2021 notes and 2024 notes ranked parry pursue apart from the maturity date. Now, temporal subordination is often seen as the weakest of the four types of subordination, the stronger three being contractual, collateral and structural. Where a lender's debt or other obligation matures before any other debt, in the absence of any other type of subordination, the debt that matures earlier is effectively senior. Okay, and can you talk a little bit about the negotiations that led up to the implementation of the restructuring? Sure. So, Intralock commenced restructurings with a group of its 2021 notes earlier this year, as the September maturity of those 2021 notes loomed. As early as January, the company entered into a lockup agreement with more than 75% of those 2021 note holders. A group of 2024 note holders immediately sought engagement with the company, being unhappy with the proposal in the January lockup agreement. Now, that 2024 group held over 10% of the 2021 notes in forms of cross holdings. This made it impossible for the 2021 group to get past the 90% threshold required by the 2021 notes to implement a deal consensually at that time. Now, although the company announced that it was open to negotiation and was speaking to a group of 2024 note holders at the time, sources that Reorg spoke to in the 2024 note holder group claimed that the company did not in fact offer them any amended terms and that the 2024 group was not properly involved in any deal formation. And what kind of lessons do you think uh, temporarily subordinated note holders need to take from this? So the take home here is that unlike contractual, collateral or structural subordination, where certain protections can be put in place to mitigate the erosion of a subordinated debtor's position, during a restructuring, a temporarily subordinated creditor can do little to better their position without a looming maturity date or missed interest payment date or any other trigger event. The temporarily subordinated creditor has little bargaining power to force an issuer to negotiate and this can result in very different outcomes for two otherwise parry-pursue ranking classes of creditor. And how was the blocking stake in the 2021 notes eroded? So the group used a novel redemption facility structure to reach the 90% consent threshold. The 2021 ad hoc group provided an interim facility to Intralop called the redemption facility. This was in the amount of 147.6 million euros and it was used to repay 59% of the 2021 notes at par, pursuant to the optional redemption provisions in the 2021 notes indenture. This left just 102.4 million of the 2021 notes outstanding, 
Interot then issued 147.6 additional new 2021 notes to the ad hoc group in return for them have for them cancelling the amounts owned under the redemption facility. What this meant is that the 10% blocking state held by the 2024 note holders, the cross holdings, was effectively diluted and that the 2021 ad hoc group held more than 90% of the 2021 notes, meaning it had sufficient consent to implement the deal in a consensual way. The three take-home lessons from this are as follows. That 90% consent threshold in a notes indenture can be eroded using a redemption process. This means that if you do have a noteholder group which has over a 10% blocking state, that ability to block amendments could be rendered ineffective. Secondly, noteholders should carefully consider the optional redemption provisions contained in the bond indentures which govern their notes and consider whether a large ad hoc group within the broader notes group could dilute holdings and voting rights. Finally, the point to note is that this redemption mechanism requires a significant capital investment by an ad hoc committee in providing a redemption facility to the company. Amid what has been a lean few months, AS Adventure has provided an interesting opportunity for distressed investors making reorganised equity bets. I asked Rob to give a bit of background on the name. At first glance, the restructured Benelux-based outdoor clothing retailer looked an easy credit to pass up on, being a retailer still heavily exposed to physical stores with a limited online profile, as well as operating a bunch of middling brands, including Snow and & Rock and Cotswolds in the UK. But following the group's restructuring, half of its equity is stapled to its reinstated loans, while back in August, when hedge funds first started looking at it, Ace Adventures loans were trading at 70, a sizable discount. That meant the credit offered substantial upside at a time when its underlying performance was already bouncing back sharply from its lockdown-induced difficulties. Let's take a quick step back and just maybe talk about what those difficulties were. What, what originally went wrong? Given that the group is highly dependent on its physical stores, through which it generates around 70% of its sales, it was hit particularly hard by last year's lockdowns. Faced with dwindling liquidity, Ace Adventure launched a restructuring late last year that concluded this January. Lenders, led by Alcentra Bearings and Partners Group, agreed to equitize 30% of their loans in exchange for a 50% stake in the group, which drops to 30% upon full repayment of the original pre-restructured 284 million euro debt. The equity stake will be stapled to the loans until 2024, after which it will be free to trade separately. And uh, how's, how's the group been getting on since it came out of restructuring in January? The first few months were difficult as expected, given that lockdowns were still in force, but Ace Adventure seemed to benefit from significant catch-up demand since the reopening of its physical stores, with trading during the summer months far exceeding pre-COVID levels. During June and July, the group generated 50% more EBITDA than during the same period in 2019. So what kind of investment thesis did hedge funds have? Amidst a dearth of distressed credits, some hedge funds had been focusing on reorganised equity bets, such as Pizza Express. The UK casual dining restaurant operator's implied equity valuation jumped by 40 to 50% to a 360 million to 400 million pounds range from roughly 260 million pounds prior to its refinancing, which had freed the previously stapled equity to trade. Ace Adventure looked like it could generate even higher returns. Working off an average enterprise value of around 8.5 times for comparable businesses and assuming that Ace Adventures EBITDA would return to the 40 million euro plus level reported for 2019, Rio calculated a base case implied equity value of 210 million euros, which translated into a loan to value ratio of around 49%. Right, and how's the trade playing out? 
For those lucky enough to have gotten their hands on some paper, it's looking like an inspired bet. The price of the loans has rallied over 20 points to the low 90s since. A 5.6 million euro block of the loans changed hands in early September, likely at that level. But it looks like there's still plenty of upside ahead, given that the group's recovery seems to be holding. Ace Adventure posted strong results in August as well, which took LTM EBITDA to 34 million euros and helped it boost its cash position to 88 million euros compared to 62 million euros back in June, bringing net leverage down to 3.3 times. Metrics should improve further, given that the LTM EBITDA includes the 2020 winter season, which was a complete washout because of the Europe-wide lockdowns, and December is historically Ace Adventure's biggest month. Okay, so with all that in mind, why aren't the loans at par yet? Some people are still wary of how sustainable Ace Adventure's recovery will be once the catch-up demand effect tails off. But more importantly, investors will need to be patient before they can realise the equity upside. Under the terms of the restructuring, sponsor PAI is only required to start a sale process for the business by July 2023. As always, you can read more about all of these situations on the Reorg website, reorg.com. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.